Welcome in to Talking Catholic with David O. Gray. Talking Catholic tonight, coming to you live from the greater St. Louis area, specifically in the diocese, Catholic Diocese of Belleville, near the Diocese of St. Louis, where anybody can receive Holy Communion here. So, <laughs> well, according to the signatures. But we're not going to talk about that tonight because we have a special guest on Talking Catholic tonight. Um, so make sure that we give our, everyone who's been supporting this channel on Patreon, let me give them a quick shout out first. KG, Dr. Tony Olivia, Else, Diane, Kenneth Dirksen, Dora Petrus, Clarence Fuentes, Shine, um, new supporter, Robertilia, her and her husband, my daughter Dalian, my biggest fan. She's she's supported the channel now. Um, Don Schwab and April Genevieve. I appreciate everyone who's been supporting this channel via Patreon. We got levels from one dollar to a dollar. The goal is to definitely get enough supporters so we can divest ourselves from uh, depending on the YouTube revenue. So I appreciate all your support um, that you give me, especially all your prayers. So thank you so much for that. So we have Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse on the show. And, you know, without further ado, let's not make this long-winded. Let's just, let's get into Talking Catholic. <laughs> Talking Catholic begins now. Welcome on to Talking Catholic. Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse. Thanks so much for having me. I've been a fan of yours, David. It's an honor and pleasure to be with you today. Thank you. We're, we're a pleasure to have you here. So let me go ahead and introduce you for those who don't know you. So Dr. Morris is the founder of the Roof Institute, which is a global nonprofit organization that defends the family at home and in a public square and equips others to do the same. She's passionate about equipping a family. Um, she advocates with the knowledge and confidence to defend the family at home and in the public square, as I said. And Dr. Morris, um, she was actually a campaign spokesman for California's winning Proposition 8. And you guys remember that. That was a big deal back in California a number of years ago. So um, she's been defining uh, marriage. Um, she's been very active in, in making sure that the, the definition of marriage is something that government can't change. And so she's been actively, actively defending that between that, making sure it, it stays defined between a man and a woman. She's an author. She's authored and co-authored five books and has spoken around the global marriage and, and family and human, human sexuality. Her work has actually been translated in Spanish and Chinese and Korean and Polish. And, um, and her newest books are The Sexual Revolution and His Victim, and 101, Tips for Marrying the Right Person, which is co-authored by uh, Betsy Kurekis, I believe. She is uh, she earned her PhD at the University of Rochester and taught economics at Yale and George Mason Universities. Dr. Morris was named one of the Catholic stars of 2013, which is a list which included Pope Francis and Pope Benedict XVI. Dr. Morris and her husband are parents of an adopted child, a birth child, a goddaughter, and were foster parents for San Diego County to eight foster children. So 
Also in 2015, Dr. Morrison, her husband, relocated to Lake Charles, Louisiana, where uh, the work of the Roof Institute continues. So we're going to talk about that. And also I want to mention one important thing that we're going to be bringing up that I want you guys to be aware of, that on starting on the evening of July 16th, the Roof Institute will be having a, um, a summit and awards dinner, a summit which opens with a war dinner, and someone who I know a lot of you know, uh, Reverend Walter Hoy II, who um, was the uh, who uh, is the subject of the book "The Black and Pro Life America: um, The Incarceration Exoneration of Royal Hoy." So he's very active in a pro life movement. I'm sure many of you heard of him, and um, Dr. Morris would definitely bring him up tonight. So, without further ado, so that's I mean that's a whole lot, right? I mean you've been active in the pro-life movement and, and defending marriage and family for such a long time. How did you even get started in that work? Well, well, the reason it's a lot is because I'm really old. <laughs> I've been doing it a long time, David. <laughs> but, but really the key to the whole thing is the kids, is our kids. Um, we, my husband and I experienced infertility in our marriage and we thought we'd never be able to have any kids and and I was one of these women who put off having children until I got tenure at the major university, and then I was going to have have my kids in in May and put them in the take care of them in the summer, put them in daycare, and go back to work in September. You know, I had it all worked out, yeah, all which planned. of course didn't work. You know, of course it didn't work whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and so we that that whole infertility experience. I bring that up because that's what brought me back to the faith. Um, you know, it was that kind of crisis where I couldn't control everything. Um, yeah. You know, that really brings you to your knees. Yeah. And and so we resolved our infertility crisis by adopting a little boy from Romania. And you just mm -hmm. mentioned, you know, we have an adopted child who's now 32. So he's, he's a big boy. Um, but at the time when he was two and a half years old when we got him and he didn't even know his own name. He had been so profoundly neglected. Um, he basically had been, um, been, been in a crib for two years, you know. Um, and then six months later, we gave birth to a baby girl. So we had those two kids within six months of each other. And one came into the world in the usual way. And one came into the world after a really, really rough start. And so my husband and I are sitting there, you know, we're nothing, nothing in my doctoral studies in economics prepared <laughs> me for what I was dealing with, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. And and my husband's an engineer. So if possible, he was even less prepared, you know, so um the two of us, you know, just kind of nerdy people overwhelmed yeah. by the by these by these two kids. But it, in our mind, it was very clear that, you know, God had given us a controlled experiment. Um, mm. And the experiment is what do kids really need their mom and dad? And the answer is, okay. doggone. Yeah, they they really do. Actually, kids really yeah. do need their mother and father. And so being trained in economics as I was, you know, you're trained to look at social systems and how pieces fit together and how you change one yeah. thing over here and it goes all through the system and stuff. And I started thinking, what we're doing about marriage and family is really terrible. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're our, as a society, we're really, we've set things into motion that we have not given one moment's thought to what the long-term consequence is going to be. And that's, so my first book was called Love and Economics. And it was really about how you can't have a free society if you don't have mommies teaching kids how to be attached to other people, teaching, okay. teaching kids, showing kids, not teaching, because it's, it's all happening when they're babies. 
right? When they're mm -hmm. infants and you're rocking them, you know, and you're going like this and you're looking at them and they're, and they're bonding with you. They're attaching with you. That's mm -hmm. the beginning of a conscience. That's the beginning of being social. And yeah. Uh, yeah. kids yeah. who are in orphanages, kids who have been in foster care a long time, kids who've had all these disruptions in their lives, they don't attach. And if they don't attach, they get crazy, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I'm, and I'm talking about school shooter kind of crazy, you know, yeah. um, you yeah. know, just, I don't care about anyone but me and what I can get for myself. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, you can't handle many people like that in a society. Yeah. You really can't. So that's how I got into it, David. You know, that's kind of the heart to heart, heartfelt way that I got into it. Yeah. There are a lot of things I could say, but that's, that's the essence of it. Let me back up for, for just a minute. So you're, you're a cradle Catholic. You're born. In yes. Catholic. Yes. That's right. Did you, and I, I know you, was there any like point in time, would you call yourself a revert? Did you like back away from theologically from the faith or had you always been there theologically and, and faith wise, but just not um, attached to. No, no, I was a bad girl, you know, I mean, really just to get, just to get right down to it. You know, I, I uh, uh, yeah, I was a cradle Catholic in a sense. I have no excuse. You know, I was, I have a pre Vatican II upbringing, right. Mm -hmm. uh, memorized the Baltimore Catechism in fourth grade, which was very good in those days, you know, very good, very um, good. Talk you know, so I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's why I'm a, I think I'm an intuitive Thomist, you know, because you have all that Thomistic stuff in the back of your brain at the fourth grade mm -hmm. level. But, but, um, but no, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. You know, I came of age in the late sixties, early seventies. Uh, and the, the sexual revolution was just getting started. When I went to college, I went to Oberlin College, which was the first college in the country to have co-ed dorms. Okay, yeah. so at age 17, was I ready for that? No, yeah. no one is ready for that, you know. Yeah. But I did that, and, you know, I kind of did the whole thing. Um, and I married the first man who asked me, which was really stupid. Um, oh, okay. and, 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 and the priest, and, you know, you asked, why did I leave? So I'm being real honest with you. Yeah. Uh, the, the reason I left the church is because the priest said, you know, this is not really a very good idea. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, I was oh. so sure that I knew better, you know. And meanwhile, yeah. meanwhile, my whole family knew this was going to be a disaster. My 14-year-old sister knew it wasn't going to work. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. But but no, you, you were smarter oh, than everybody else. Yeah. You were smarter than everyone else, right? Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so... When, when I look back on it, in retrospect, those years away from the faith were really rough years, you know, and, and I was doing all these things that the culture was saying you should be able, you know, should, we should be able to do these things. You know, you should be able to do whatever you want. It should work, you know, come right. on, what's wrong with you, you know? Um, yeah. And, you know, of course it didn't. And, you know, so uh, w one thing led to another. And, you know, that, that first man that I uh, attempted a marriage with, I ended up being divorced and had an abortion and, uh, you know, all kinds of things, you know. Yeah, all kind of crazy stuff, you know, which is why I know the sexual revolution doesn't work. Because oh. I've, try I've tried all these harebrained things, you know, it's yeah. been a long time ago. You know, and, I, yeah. and I know from experience that they don't work. Saw a lot of other people crash and burn too, David, you know. Yeah. Um, back in the 80s when people were trying open marriage, you know, people were trying this. I saw a lot of people trying this. And so I, I, not a single time did it work. And yet you still see people recycling this nonsense. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Are, are you amazed to see that stuff come back around in their different name, this polyamorous type of thing? Is it, it, they you never seen, came you've up. You've seen this already. You've seen how this movie ends already, right? 
it, it never has a happy ending. You know, I mean, I saw suicides. I saw out of wedlock childbearing and, of course, divorce. You right. know, I mean, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work, you know. And so when you really start thinking about it you, and you ask yourself, well, what is the church always taught? And what does the church teach it? You know, if you take it from the perspective of the child, uh, you will see that what the church is teaching defends the rights of children to yeah. have a relationship with their mommy and their daddy, you know, both, right? Um, so there, there are a lot of parts to the sexual revolution, mm-hmm. and I lived, I lived a bunch of them, and I can tell you it doesn't work. And and really, it was coming back to the faith, as I mentioned in the very beginning. Um, uh, the infertility experience is what brought me back to the faith because it brought me to my knees, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and so it wasn't the reason I'm telling you this, David, is it was not an intellectual thing with me whatsoever. And I think for a lot of people, the, whatever intellectual stuff they give you is, is um, you, you know, is a cover. You know, it's like it's like um, the happy face that they paste over their willfulness. Yeah. Or, you know, or their guilty conscience, you know, because um, yeah. the guilty conscience really scrambles the brain. Uh, what, did you, what did you miss while you were, were you away for the, from the faith? What did I miss? Yeah. Well, did you miss anything? There were a few things I consciously missed, David. And okay. one of them, one of them was the Easter Vigil. You know, the, really? The, yes, yes. The the whole the whole triduum. It, uh, I don't think it was called that. But when I was a little girl. Um, and I was in Catholic school, I was in a little choir. And so we learned all of the parts that went to Holy Thursday and Good Friday and, you know, and not, not so much the whole Easter vigil, but eventually as I got a little bit older, yeah, I did that. So I'm, I'm, when I was away from the faith, I missed that. I was like, oh, yeah. it's, Easter, it's Easter. I should really be in church. Huh. Nah, I'm not going to do that. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but then in the end, in the end, um, you know, when I finally did come back to the faith, I, I couldn't make a straight beeline back, you know, because it was too hard. So, but I, I found myself in the back yeah. of the church. I found myself okay. in front of the statue of the Virgin Mary, you know, and yeah, so I'm yeah, sitting yeah. there, you know, sitting there talking to her and, you know, she's like, okay, okay. You've had your pride. You've had uh-huh. your pride. We got to talk to your dad now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so, so yeah, I, that's, yeah. That, that's how I got, well, that's just something about me that's that's true and that's that's part of who I am, I guess you'd say. Yeah. And um Don Sheets he, he he chimes in, he says, I lived through this in, in, in the late seventies. Yeah. I mean I, I mean that's it's amazing we're all alive. You know, how do we survive? <laughs> yeah, how'd you, you guys make it? So yeah. And wow. um Sean, I guess Sean is enjoying the story past the popcorn. Um, quick, um, yeah, 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 you're famous for the popcorn. Where is the popcorn? You promised me popcorn. I want to come yeah. on the show. Yeah, to- yeah, I'm known for that. I think I should like brand my own popcorn, maybe. I know. Uh, let me take a just a second, a second to detour just real quick to ask you a question. Um, thoughts on Thomas Sowell, since you have a background in economics. What's your, what's your thoughts on Thomas Sowell? Well, you know, Thomas Sowell, actually, um, I, I know him personally because um, mm. I used to do some work in race relations and, and yeah. so he, he and I, you know, knew each other and used to correspond and so on. Uh-huh, and so uh-huh. He's a very reclusive guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a brilliant guy, but yeah. he's a very reclu- he's a very reclusive guy. He's, yeah, he's he very private. I mean, he's, 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 he's you know, private. I have yeah. 
I have all of his books, right? I mean, I, you know, because I, I, you know, I, I, I like his. I'm, you know, my undergrad is in accounting. I was never really great in economics, but I understand economics, and I like his approach yes. to using various sources of data to figure out what the issue is. Um, critical race theory it, it uses one set of data. It uses the law. You know, Derek Bell wanted to take a look at the law and try to explain. Can we look at the law as a tool to explain all of the disparities you see with Black Americans? And I think that's the error of Derek Bell. But I think Thomas Sowell gets it right because he'll he'll bring in law, he'll bring in economics, he'll bring in culture issues. Yes. Right. Um, and and behavior, how, the, the yeah. behavior and culture and lots of right. other things. Right. 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 And I think that's how you can work to explain disparities. Right. It's a richer explanation of disparities, you know, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, and in economics, we have this idea that competition should wipe out uh, unwarranted disparities, right? So, right. so that right. if, you're, if, you're under, if you're deliberately underpaying people just because you don't like their looks, um, somebody else is going to come along who's like, I don't care about his looks. He's, he's competent. I'm going to hire him, you know? Yeah. So that's the sort of basic economic approach to stuff is that competition is going to solve a lot of that. But what mm -hmm. people don't want to deal with um, and what they, the, the kind of, oh, I don't even know what to call them anymore. I used to call them Marxists, but I have a problem with that, which we can discuss later. But, okay. but, <laughs> but, but, but what a lot of the, um, the, a lot of the, that, that sort of, people, what, the, what they do is they want to explain everything by discrimination and, okay. and, and, and any kind of behavior, any kind of decision making, any kind of choice making, they want to, they, they want to um, diminish all of that. So for the, for the male and female issue, this was an issue, you know, women only earn 59 cents to every dollar that a man earns, you know, this was like a big, you know, crisis and stuff. And you look at that and you go, well, wait a minute, they're not doing the same thing. They're not behaving in the same way. They're not working mm -hmm. the same kinds of jobs and so yeah. on and so forth. Then once you start doing that, all of it goes away. Virtually yeah. all of it goes away until today. Um, you know, there are many, many professions, higher education, women are dominant. Women are dominant yeah. in those things, you know, yeah, because yeah. it's been all you go, girl, you go, girl, you know, all this, all, all this, all this kind of stuff. So, so Tom Soul and I had a, a common understanding or a kind of common worldview that blaming everything on discrimination, blaming all yeah. differences on unlawful and unjustified discrimination, that that was suspect. You know, yeah. that's that's almost certainly not, almost certainly not yeah. right. So I like that a lot about Tom, and I and and he. He made, in my opinion, a great contribution by yeah. continually and rigorously pointing that out kind of at every right. opportunity. Right, right. I definitely think he should be read, definitely, in the high schools and universities, but his politics are just the wrong color for him to be read, obviously. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's a funny way to put it, yeah. yeah. But, you know, the thing, the thing people don't want to deal with, um, and I don't know, maybe you don't want to deal with it. Maybe we'll both get in trouble. By the way, I should give you full disclosure. I don't know if this is not on my bio, but I am a certified hate group. Yeah, so we haven't even gotten to Roof Institute yet. So you're 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 the founder and president of Roof Institute. That's right. Um, in Southern part, the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is itself is a hate group, um, has called you, has, has labeled you a hate group. I mean, walk us through. 
walk us I'm through just a, I'm just the meanest person ever, which I think anyone could see, you know, that I'm a real threat to everyone. Yeah, um, I mean, what's so wrong with Bruce Institute? What are you, what are you doing that's well, a threat we, to the narrative? I will tell you. I will tell you exactly what it is. I, I came to their attention because through my work on the definition of marriage. They labeled me as an anti-LGBT person. And what they do is they go through and they find little snippets here and there where they, you know, can take a, you know, a sentence or a phrase or something like that and say, oh, look at that. Oh, you know, and it's all this boogeyman type stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, oh, she said that. Oh, can you believe it? You know, and, and it's not an argument. There's no argument. There's no rational discussion that, you know, it's just smeared. It's a smear job. It's a smear. Okay. Job. okay. And um, and so we got on their hate list. I think I think it was 2013. We first got on their hate list. Mm-hmm. And then in 2017, uh, it started to make a difference because somebody called attention to it. I think it was the um, what was it? Uh, Charlottesville, the whole thing that mm-hmm. happened in Charlottesville. Yeah. Okay, that hate map came into public consciousness. And somebody said, oh, there's a hate group right here in San Diego. And they had our name listed there, you know. And by that time, I hadn't lived in San Diego for two years, you know. But but never mind, you know, there's a hate group in San Diego. And so, you know, so there we were. And so I issued a statement and said, you know, here's what the Ruth Institute stands for. We think children need their mothers and fathers. Marriage is between a man and a woman. That makes us a hate group. Fine. Come get us, you know. And yes. then, then that's when all hell broke loose, I think, because what happened was our credit card processing was cut off just like that. No warning, no email. We got Are an email. Serious? I'm quite serious. Oh, I'm dead serious. And I'm pretty sure Wells Fargo was behind it. You know, now you're seeing Wells Fargo shutting people down and stuff like that. We were among the first people to have them do something to us. I did not know that. Wow. Mm-hmm. 2017, you look it up. The the um the, it was a company called Vanco which does credit card processing. Okay. And um they build themselves as somebody that helps faith based organizations and church groups, and that <laughs> thing, you know. And so we're like, what what the heck? you know we had been do, doing business with them for you know four or five years, and all of a sudden bang we were cut off. And we trying to get to the bottom. We, there was no getting to the bottom of it, but it was clear you know that you know we found out that you you know. Uh, I have these views or I forget even how they worded it, but it was clear. It was a hate list. You know, it was that we were on that list. Yeah. And so we can't be on the Amazon smile program. Um, there are a number of things like that. that so this, this continues. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And every time it pops up, we fight back. Okay. Yeah. No whining, no whining yeah. at the yeah. Ruth Institute. Okay. I mean, <laughs> oh, they're picking on us. Oh, shut up. Shut up. Yeah. Listen, come get me. Come get me. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. And this is yeah. when somebody goes after me, David, I use that as an opportunity to say, here's what I stand for. Yeah. And, yeah. and here's what the church stands for. Because what we mm-hmm. stand for is what the church stands for. Right. Yeah. You know, which was for, for every child, a mother and a father. For every child, their own mother and their own father. And knowledge of their identity knowledge mm-hmm. of their cultural heritage mm-hmm. even if your mom and dad can't raise you and you end up being adopted you know you don't need to falsify birth certificates you know you don't need yeah. to tell that kind of lie you know or have the child you know they have their have be cut off from their history cut off from mm-hmm. their ancestry and things like that which you know gay marriage was a huge issue for that and of course no one wanted to talk about that they don't want to talk it was all marriage equality 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 we can how about equality for children 
How come some children have the legally recognized right to know both of their parents mm-hmm. and other children do not have a legally recognized right to know both of their parents? Why is it okay for you to go buy an egg and buy a, a surrogate mother so that you can have a baby without ever having a relationship with a woman? How You explain to me how that's okay. Explain to me mm. the equality for your kid and other, other people's kids. That's not right. I mean, what are the challenges of that? I mean, so, so this happens, obviously, but how does that harm a child? How does what harm a child? Not knowing their... Um, their identity? Yeah, their identity, yeah. Well, um, there's a lot I could say about that, you know, but yeah. um, first of all, you could you could start by looking at the at more... more less radical forms of family breakdown, okay? okay. That where, where mother and father uh, are, are at odds with one another or mother and father don't live under the same roof or okay. mother and father ha- have moved on to new relationships, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so your, your knowledge of both of your parents has been compromised or undermined and sometimes mm. actively attacked, right? Right, mm. sometimes. It, but, but those two people, each one of them is half of who you are. That's half right. of your body. Half of your bodily existence right. comes from your mom and comes from your dad. Right. So when mom and dad say, well, you know, honey, we still love you, but we just don't love each other anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you tell that to a 10-year-old or something. That exactly makes no sense to them, to the 10-year-olds. Like, you, you, you don't love half of who I am but you love me. How does that even work? You know, <laughs> you know, and, and so, and so um, um, statistically speaking, you know, if you look at the data, the children of, of uh, the children of any, let, let, let's put it this way. The children of continuously married biological parents do better than every other uh, family form. Okay. That's yeah. a fact yeah. that you can take that to the bank. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, and so I, what I say is that the reason for that is that the is that the love between your mother and father is the foundation of the development of your personality. That's the development. Mm. Okay, and so for the children of sperm donors, the children of egg donors, the break in the family is even more radical because it's permanent and it's from the beginning and it's intentional. You know, it is intentional that I'm going to a catalog and choosing a man to be your father, whom you will never see, whom I will never see. And, you know, those kids grow up wondering, who the heck am I? Where do these blue eyes come from? I wonder if I have any cousins, you know, that that, that kind of thing. And it really does bother them. And and so without any, without any um, knowledge whatsoever, we have embarked on this social experiment that says, well, oh, kids are so resilient, we'll just scramble the parents anytime we want. You know, the adult, whatever the adults want, mm, you know, the kids will be fine. They're resilient. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we always say that about children, you know, especially when um, adults want to uh, typically oftentimes do something selfish. Um, um, and, and, and kids are, they suffer, right? They become cannon fodder. They become casualty. They become friendly fire in this whole thing. Um, the first thing we say, oh, they're resilient. They'll get over it, right? They're not really going to be affected because they're young, right? Um, but you're saying that's not the truth. That is absolutely not the truth. And I bet you you've got listeners right this minute who know that it's not true. 
you know, um, that I, I, and I can't, I've lost track of how many times I'll give a talk about the impact of divorce on children and I'll have somebody, you know, get up and leave because they can't handle it because it's just too painful for them. I've had grown, grown, you know, people my age saying to me, you know, I, I had, I had to leave the room. My parents were divorced when I was five. And, yeah. it still, and it still hurts. This is a person in their 60s mm-hmm, talking mm-hmm. like that. You know, I mean, come on. People don't get over it. It's a primal wound. It really is a primal wound. It is. It is. I mean, I, I would say, you know, my my, my parents, my the people who made me, they, they were never married. They were, you know, we can make excuses. They were young or whatever. But, and they went on to have marriages. So I had a really great stepfather, right? And so my biological father was always in my life. He was good as well. But my issue having... You know, I have he had children, my mom had children. And my issue growing up was that I never felt like I belonged, right? Because I didn't have my my stepfather's last name. I didn't have my biological father's last name. And then, you know, like I said, I had a really good stepfather, you know, Roy. And in you know, sports, he was there. But you know, I know and I really can process this when I was younger, Dr. Roof, but Later on, I realized what was gnawing at me and what affected me in other areas of my life, especially academics when I was a kid, that when he started, my mother and my father, when they started having children, he was at my games, my stepfather, but he was their coach. And so there was, he he loved me, but there was always a difference, Right. right? And so growing up, I really, you know, coming, you know, as I got older into my adulthood and and then my marriage with my first wife from college that didn't didn't work. And I'm single. I, I discern out the priesthood. The one thing I, I kept telling myself, I don't want to be. I avoided women who had children. I did because I didn't want to be a stepfather because yeah. I was afraid that I would be like Roy, that I would make my stepchild feel different. Right. So God, of course, God does. God has other plans. So I do marry a woman who has a daughter. Um, and Olivia was very young, so and she never knew her biological father. And so, but I noticed today that, and it's probably not great, but I show her so much attention because I'm trying to make sure right. she doesn't feel like I did, you right. know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And and you know, part of what you're what you what you just said is, I think, a very typical kind of story. Your stepfather was not a bad guy. He had mm-hmm. decent parenting skills. He cared about you. He wasn't, you know, he, but, but, but there's something in the, it's the structure of the family that is the problem. It's not the individuals who are the problem. And this is something we try to emphasize at the Ruth Institute, you know, that, that you can be a perfectly fine parent, but you're dealing with something that is working against you, right? The structure of the family that, you know, the fact that you aren't biologically related to that child, but there are other children in the house to whom you are biologically related. Right, right, You know, that difference, everybody feels or you know it's 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 let's put it this way overcoming that is not nothing you know that's a mm. it's a big thing right and yeah. we're treat it's treated as if it's a small thing and if if you feel bad like like there's something wrong with you you should get over it david i mean you know roy was perfectly fine. what is wrong with you you know that <laughs> kind of attitude that that's very typical of the sexual revolution you know that if wow. if you have a problem and I don't care whether you're a, a post-abortive woman who regrets her abortion or a person who's walked away from the gay lifestyle or a person who's walked away from um, from the hookup culture. If mm. you didn't like it, it was your problem. You know, if your contraception failed, you didn't use it right. 
That's fascinating. That's See, that's how, they, that's how they act, you know? And yeah. so, so that's how we talk about the victims and survivors of the sexual revolution to okay. indicate that we, you know, we're all being bamboozled by this kind of nonstop propaganda. And we're doing things that you would, we wouldn't do if we weren't, if we weren't being conned, you know, right? We're being led down this path. You know, if you knew, if you really knew what you're getting into, would you do it? No, you would not. You know, you hear that all the time, right? What was I thinking? You know, yeah. um, and so, and so, our basic strategy, our basic approach is to say, you know, look, if you've been harmed by the sexual revolution, we want to talk to you. You know, we want to equip you. We want to give you the language that you need and the skills that you need that you can speak out in an effective manner and and feel confident, you know, that you can feel confident saying what, what I did was wrong, what yeah. people did to me was wrong, you know, whatever combination. Because yeah. right now, you know, by now, David, a lot of people are both victims and perpetrators. Wow. You know, think about it. Talk right? a little more. Talk a little bit more. And let me get for the people who's listening to the audio version. Let me. Let me recap here. So we speaking, we're speaking with Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse. She is the founder and president of the Roof Institute. So we're talking to her about all types of issues. Um, you see, this is a potpourri type of conversation. But one thing I definitely want to um, mention is that um, starting on July 16th, the Roof Institute is having a summit that's opening up with an awards dinner. Um, the honoree this year is Reverend Walter Hoy II. And um, and talk. I want to return to this conversation, but um, talk before we get too far. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on with the Roof Institute on on July sixteenth. Tell us about what was the summit about. Sure, sure. So the summit is called. It's it's our fourth annual awards dinner and summit for the survivors of the sexual revolution. Okay. And and so we always have an awards dinner where we um, honor people that we think deserve to be honored, mm-hmm. because our basic premise is that the 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 whole culture and certainly our whole media culture uh, is dominated by people who are a hundred percent in favor of the sexual revolution. Um, they have no doubts about it at all, you know, and they're blasting on to the next step, no matter how many failures they leave behind them. So uh, we want to honor people that we think deserve it and and who aren't going to get attention any other way, you know? Yeah. Um, we're looking for that. And so that's what our, our awards dinner is. And we've had some very interesting people there. And as you mentioned, our keynote speaker this year will be Reverend Walter Hoy, a great pro-life yeah. hero who we'll talk about a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, then, but then the following day, the Summit for Survivors of Sexual Revolution, that is an all-day program um, uh, and our theme this year is reclaiming the professions. Um, the idea being that every profession you can think of, whether it's doctors, lawyers, uh, school teachers, librarians, social workers, every profession has been corrupted by the sexual revolution. Mm. The AMA just came, the AMA, the American Medical Association, mainstream medical association for doctors, okay. came out with a statement that we should not be putting uh, sex assigned at birth on people's public birth certificates because that is prejudicing uh, the person's possible development. Uh, I, I can't even, the language is so garbled, I can't even repeat it. But basically, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're, whatever you look like as a baby has nothing to do with whether you grow up to be a man or a woman that should be left open. And it sh- there should be no public document record um, that, that states you were born a little boy. You know, uh, this doctors cannot figure out whether you're a boy or a girl. Okay, 
So that's, I would call that corruption. So anyway, so our, our theme here is to say, okay, a lot of these professions, people who are Christians, people who are Orthodox Jews, uh, people who are common sense uh, are having a lot of trouble functioning within their own profession because of this sort of predominant uh, worldview. And so we want to get everybody in the room uh, to talk about the issues so that the doctors, we'll have a whole panel of doctors, for example, yeah. um, of, that are alternative associations, alternatives to the AMA, right? Oh, uh, you know, the, the Catholic Medical Association, for example, yeah. the association yeah. of, of pro-life OBGYNs, you know, they'll, they'll send a representative. So that yeah. type of, that type of thing, we'll talk about corruption in, in, in education, in the education establishment. Um, yeah. You know, how you can fight back against comprehens comprehensive sexuality education, how you yeah. can um, make sure your kids don't get sucked into the trans cult, the transgender cult that is so heavily promoted um, in, in the schools, you know, what you can do to resist that. So uh, we're going to, it's, it's going to be kind of a bang, 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 bang. We got a lot of people talking, yeah. but I wanted to get a lot of people in the room so that people could see, yeah. hey, I'm not alone. And so yeah, it's going to be a significant, significant networking event for anybody watching. You know, you you need to come to Lake Charles. It'll be in Lake Charles on the 16th and 17th of July. Go to our website. You can see where to sign up. You can see the, um, you know, the whole program. We've got a couple changes we've made towards the end, but it's mm -hmm. close. It's close to correct, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, it'll, it'll, there'll be a kickoff dinner on Friday night and then all day Saturday. Um right. Talks. So July 16th and 17th. Um, so it's in Lake Charles. That's in Louisiana, correct? Yes, yes. Um, do you physically have to be there or is there going to be like an online thing that there, people can... There is an, There will be a virtual option, yes. Okay. You, can, okay. you can find that, you know, when you go to the website, you'll see a virtual option. But let me say, okay, if you are a member of one of these professions and this is a problem for you, you really want to be in the room. You know, okay. I mean... Things happen in the room that can't happen online. I mean, we're having a great conversation here, but you know, imagine all the people who are watching us now, if they could talk to each other, you know, right, if they could go, right. oh, wow, he really asked a great question. I want to talk to that guy, you know, um, mm -hmm. that, that kind of whole experience. Last year, as a matter of fact, last year we, we met, we had our thing, even during COVID, we did it. It wasn't very big, but who cares? You know, it's like, these are the stalwarts, you know, the people are yeah. showed up, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. And partway through the morning, I said, hey, you know what? I mean, because I'm just listening to what people are talking about. Okay, everybody who's concerned about trans issues, pick up your stuff and go sit at this table. Say so for the people in small groups. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, guys, get together, you know. And 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 then, of course, the friendships that you build are really important mm -hmm. part of the whole of, of the whole experience. So, so, yeah, there's an online option, but I want to make the pitch to people, you know, if you're serious about this. Yeah. You should come. You should you should be in the room, you know, definitely. And by the way, what are you waiting for? Yeah. How bad does it have to get? Yeah. Because I, I mean, that's really scary about AMA because, I mean, they're so influential. I mean, if they change the definition, people gradually, the medical profession, they start to think that's normal, right? Right. Oh, gosh. Um, yes. So that, that's really scary about birth certificates. That's Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the AMA, they have been all in for abortion for a long time. David. Yeah. You yeah. know, you, do you know doctors don't take the Hippocratic Oath anymore? 
No, I, I don't think most people knew that. I mean, if you're listening to this in the comment, if you're in the comment box, let me know in the comment box if you knew that doctors don't take the Hippocratic oath. I, I didn't know that. Did, yeah. did you guys know that? I, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Doctor Thomas Hildreth told me that. I have a video podcast program like this too. That's a. a, a I watched some of your videos. Did yeah, you? Yeah, Did yeah, you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, when I interviewed Thomas Hildreth, who is a big pro-life doctor, he's got the Paul the Sixth Center. He teaches. He invented NAPRO technology. Okay, wow. and uh, and a lot of the um, well, what is it called? One of the one of the net one of the NFP methods. Um, I think the Cre- I think the Creighton method. Okay. Um, I, I think that's right. Anyway, but so Thomas Hilger is a big, respected pro life doctor guy, and he's the one who told me that that they don't do that. Wow. I know it's scary. It's scary. But but you know, think about the drag queen story hours. You've probably heard about the drag queen story. Okay. The American Library Association, the professional association of librarians, they were behind that. They they gave full throated, complete assent. That to makes that. sense. I mean that that makes sense because I can understand why I was always at these library associations. But I mean so that that makes sense. Yeah. But if you but but the point is if you're a Christian and you're a librarian, you can't really function within that organization very well. If that's what mm-hmm. your organization, you know, your main professional society is saying. Oh, this is a great idea. You know, you really yeah. should have drag queen story hour. And here's how you get it past the parents who don't want it. Here's how you deal with the public and the taxpayers who don't like it. You know, that's what the that's what the professional society thinks it's supposed to be doing. You know, yeah. so there are a lot of these professions that that have this property. Um, and so this is some of the material that we'll be talking yeah. about. And and over the years of doing this summit, we have different themes. You know, there are different. Like one year we talked about divorce. We talked about children okay. of divorce. We had a whole panel of of children of divorce and abandoned spouses people who wanted to stay married but their spouse left them you know now how often do you hear from those people they're socially invisible completely invisible socially you know so that's the kind of stuff we try to to uh, shed light on and um and be supportive of the people who are dealing with this stuff one thing i really like about um you know your your podcast and we're talking about the roof institute and, and things that you're doing there that you, you're Catholic. I mean, you're very, I mean, you're faithfully Catholic and, and, right. and your Catholic faith informs everything you do, but you have uh, uh, um, an open approach. I mean, you include people from different faith backgrounds into this, even uh, uh, Reverend Hoy, he's, he's not, a, he's not a Catholic. So talk a little bit about why do you include people from, from different faith backgrounds into this conversation? Well, Part of it, I learned how to do it from Proposition 8. You mentioned Proposition 8 in California, where I was a campaign spokeswoman for it. That was a big uh, interfaith effort to get that mm. done. You, know, you, you had everyone. You, you had Mormons on there. I mean, you had everyone. <laughs> yeah. Everybody came together. You know, and you came, I came to see that far from what the lifestyle left would have you believe, the definition of marriage is, in fact, a unifying issue. It's not a divisive issue. People mm. all across the spectrum realize kids need a mother and a father. Marriage is the thing that defines parenthood. Marriage is the thing that builds families, you know, and that and that man and male and female is, is something significant, 
you know, and, and to take the gender definition out of marriage and say that it doesn't matter whether you got two guys, two girls, or one of each, you know, like that's a, like it's a coin toss, what you do, you know, um, that, that, that's crazy. And you don't have to be a, a Catholic. You don't have to read the Bible. Mm. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just obvious. So, so Prop 8 really taught me that that was possible and it just showed me how beautiful that it can be, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you had been in San Diego in 2008, you would have felt the spirit. I mean, the spirit yeah. was moving. And I really, I believe God is bringing people together because we're all up against the wall. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. a, a, we, I, you and I, David, have more in common with the Orthodox believers amongst the Lutherans <laughs> or amongst the, <laughs> the, the, the private, you know, yeah. the, the Presbyterians or whatever than we yeah. do with Father James Martin. Mm -hmm. you know, and they have their own Father James Martin, you know, yeah. they have their own version of that, you know. Yeah. So I, I think the Lord is um, is ending some of the old divisions. I mean, there are new divisions, obviously, you know, yeah. but um, but but to rally around the truth that the church has always taught. And, and, and the other thing that I learned under at Prop 8 is that a lot of our non-Catholic brothers and sisters are looking to us for leadership because we've got we as Catholics, we have this whole intellectual tradition that is layers and layers deep. I mean, we can we can go toe to toe with anybody, yeah. all the way to the ground. You know, I mean, they can, we can outlast anybody on, on yeah. these issues. And our brothers and sisters appreciate that, and yeah. they want to hear what we have to say. And mm. so, um, I I do my best to to be faithfully Catholic, of course, but also mm. to be uh, as welcoming as possible. And so, it's it's not just the people who show up; the people who work for me, David. My staff is across the religious spectrum, you know, I mean, that's just, wow. and it, it works, you know, I mean, yeah. generally speaking, it works. I mean, I, I, you know, we, my, my, the, the producer of the Dr. J show video podcast um, mm -hmm. is an, or, he's an Orthodox priest um, wow. in, in Lima, Ohio, and he's hundred percent on. Oh board. yeah. You know, Lima. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 you know, you know, we just don't talk about the filioque clause. We just don't uh -huh. talk about what uh -huh. you say. Leave that uh -huh. alone. You know, we don't have yeah. to go there. You know, we got other yeah. things we have to deal with, you know. So I was speaking um, with um Father Howman, he's a pastor up in, in Wisconsin. I was, I was on a show, matter of fact, and he had he blew my mind when he said this, but you know, and and I agree with him. Um he's talking about the issues of today, the enemies that we have today, and the battle that we have today is so important and so significant that it's time for people of goodwill who agree on these issues. They have to unite and fight because there's, there's like, as you said, there's more that unites us than that divides us right now. Right. It's not the feeling about the filioque or about um, soul scriptura. Those are important things. We should talk That's about right. them. That's but right. um, the enemy right now is not, is not, is, is does not care you know they're, they're going for our children they're right. going for um where's my not video I, I like um here it is he's climbing in your windows he's snatching your people up trying to rape them so y'all need to hide your kids hide your wife and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here <laughs> that i mean they're going that's the devil they're going after our children they're going after our families they're going after husbands with pornography. They're going after your sons. I mean, they, they're just this want to destroy families. I mean, from top to bottom. And they 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 they're unrelentless, unrelentless, unrelentless. They they don't sleep. They, right. they just come at you night and day. So 
I, I I agree with you so much. You yeah. have to people who agree have to unite. But why why Reverend um Walter Hoy? What was what was well, important okay, about so him? So let me tell you about Walter Hoy. Okay, so Walter Hoy is the subject of a book that was published by Ignatius Press. Okay, he didn't write the book, but it's a book about right. him. And uh, uh, Reverend Hoyt is a Baptist pastor in, in Oakland, California. And he, uh, the, the, the way he tells the story is that, is that uh, people were out on the sidewalks at the, at the local Planned Parenthood clinic in, in, in Oakland, and they weren't really getting much traction. And, the, and these were like white Catholics, you know, uh, who were doing this. And they're like, you know, maybe maybe if we get their so many of the ladies coming in here, like 80 percent of them are black. Maybe if we get their pastor out here, oh. you know, he would have more of an impact. And so he was approached by some of these, um, you know, sort of um, experienced pro-life counselors, sidewalk counselors. And they said, um, you know, why don't you come on out and help us? And so he started doing that and he started talking to him and he started talking about in his church. And um, what was happening is that he was effective and that, you know, he, he, he carried a sign that said, God loves you and your baby. Uh, or let us talk to you about alternatives to the clinic, you know. Um, and the people at the Planned Parenthood clinic realized that he was cutting into their business. And they went to the city council and they got a law passed uh, regulating how close you were allowed to be to the door of a clinic uh, and talk like that. And so, you know, you can you have free speech on this side of the line. And on uh, if you take one step inside that line, the same sign you had a minute ago and the same baseball cap you had on a minute ago that said got Jesus on it. Yeah. All that's now illegal. You know, um, oh. that's all now illegal. And so he ended up being arrested. He mm -hmm. ended up spending 30 days in jail. Uh, in, uh, in in Northern California, and one of the first people who went to visit him when he was in jail was Bishop Cordelion, who was at that time Bishop of Oakland. Um, okay. And so so they became good friends, and so that's okay. another whole you know kind of kind of connection with him. But but anyway, um, Walter continues to be you know obviously he's out of jail now, but he continues to be a a, a great spokesman for the right to life. And particularly to try to get the black community engaged mm -hmm. um, in the in the pro-life issue. So he's absolutely committed to that and dedicated to that. And the, his the book about him is called Black and Pro-Life in America. Right. And I really, really wanted that as a as a selling point to our dinner because I I really you know it's it's another point of of people being united. There are so many people who want to divide. They use race to divide people. Yeah. Okay, knock that off. Let's talk about something all the races can agree on and and truly a lot of black people are pro-life you know they yeah. are yeah, yeah yeah and 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 black people are pro-marriage david they are i mean yeah. uh, you know they don't they don't go with gay marriage not not whatsoever i mean and, and again prop 8 prop 8 was voted on in 2008 and the exit polls were i think about 45 percent of, of white anglos voted in favor of man-woman marriage. About 60% of Hispanics voted in favor of man-woman marriage. And over 70% of African-Americans wow. voted yes on man-woman marriage. And wow. by the way, by the way, 2008, they all went to the polls to vote for Barack Obama, the first black president. And while they were in there, by the way, they all voted yes for man-woman marriage. Interesting. You know, you know Interesting. And, and that, and I saw that. I saw that. I saw it on the street, you know, at rallies and so on. You know, you could just 
they, you know, these people are like, this is confusion. This is crazy. What are they talking about? Gay yeah. married. Blah, blah. You know, I mean, they're you know, really. Um, yeah. And and so I, for a long time, have seen it as an opportunity uh, to to build relationships with between black and white around something of mutual benefit, mm-hmm. something everybody agrees on, rather than you know what we have today, which is kind of mutual exploitation. Right. Um, you know the the race baiting that is is very profitable for people like the Southern Poverty Law Center. Yeah. You know, and those type of people uh, w- with all that's going on right now with this sort of very profitable race baiting, um, mm-hmm. very aggressive race baiting yeah. that's yeah. going on right now. Uh, you know, I'm just going to put my little flag in the sand. And if only 10 people show up, fine. They're the right 10 people. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, it, you know, because somebody yeah. has to say it. Somebody has to say it, that that we're here to work with our brothers and sisters of every race who want to protect innocent preborn life. Yeah, but but what you see with the um, everything is race nowadays, like you said, and every and everyone's a racist, and racist is a person who doesn't agree with you, by the way. But uh, (laughs) um, yeah, but what what, uh, how do you how do dividing want to divide race make everything by race today and divide people by the color of their their skin? Were they doing that back? in the 60s in early 70s with gender was that this was it the same thing was it men against were they pitting genders against one another are there any similarities there with feminism and in, in, in the, the um what we see with racism there? in my opinion there are a lot of similarities there are a lot of similarities you know that the the the, the and, and and here's how i would put it there's the the dividing of people um okay. Um, and scapegoating of somebody, you know, to say okay. uh, all these problems would be solved if we could just get rid of all these men. All these problems <laughs> would be solved if we could do something about these white people. You know, I mean, you know, and, and the, the way this, the whole sexual revolution proceeds is, is completely irrational, actually. I have a whole talk about this, you know, but yeah. um, in my book, The Sexual State, I go into this, but, but they, they're, they're offering you this dream world you know, and, and with the, the sexual revolution, the dream world is everyone gets to have as much sex as they want and nothing bad will ever happen. Right, right. And if anything bad ever happens, it's because of those Christians over there who are making everybody uh, uh, feel bad. So that's your scapegoat, right? Okay, that's okay. your scapegoat. So you okay. promise pie in the sky, which can never be. It's complete bunk. It's never going to happen, right? Yeah. But you, so you give power to the ruling class so that they can continue to lead you on to the nirvana, you know? Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you've got to marginalize, since you're never going to get there, you got to have mm-hmm. somebody to blame that you didn't yeah. get there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the pattern that I see with sexual revolution. The feminists have a version of that. The um, the people who say they're in favor of civil rights say that, have a version of that. We're going to, yeah. we're going to have a world where nobody, no one is racist whatsoever. Although they never describe what, they never define what race actually is. They keep moving those right. goalposts. They keep right. moving them, right? Um, so, but, 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 but we'll give you more and more power so we can have the dream, you know? And yeah. since you can't have the dream, we blame someone. We got mm-hmm. we got to have somebody over there. It's their fault, you know? Yeah, yeah. Right? But you push early, you push back on the definition of Marxism today, but, and I want you to get into that, but isn't that a, a, a tendency of Marxism to create uh, yes. a victim class of people Absolutely. and to create Absolutely. a boogeyman? Yes, right? exactly, exactly. The only reason I don't want to talk about Marxism 
is because Marxism is one case of this larger phenomenon. Okay. In okay. my mind. Okay? okay. So the people who promote population control are not necessarily all Marxists. Right. 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 But they're using the same techniques. The people right. promoting the, you know, the COVID lockdowns, zero cases. <laughs> We're going to give you a world of zero cases. No one will ever get it again. You know, crazy, yeah. you know, crazy stuff, right? Yeah. But give us the power, give us the power. That whole pattern, the, the ideology, to my mind, the ideology is, um, is the decoration that they paste over it. Right. Okay. So, okay. so, so mm -hmm. in other words, in other words, we think this will appeal to you and you'll give us power and you'll be, you'll be, uh, you'll give you, you'll give us your heart. You know, you'll, you will be yeah. committed to this dream world that we're painting for you. And yeah. then you'll let us do all these, uh, all these crazy things, you know? Right. Um, so the exact form that it takes, I, I, it's not as important, right? If you're okay. talking, okay. see, okay. see okay. whether you're talking about economic equality, we're going to get mm -hmm. rid of all the inequality. That's what the Marxists talk about. Yeah. That's yeah. not as important, you know, the because you're not going to get that dream world anyway. It's yeah. never going to happen, so who cares, you know? Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, that, that's kind of the big picture of those. Yeah, I think I think I get that because a lot of people, you know, invite me on their shows or at their conference to speak about Freemasonry. And Freemasonry in the Catholic Church, big problem. It's been banned since 1738. But I always like to point out that um, uh, regardless if you have Freemasons or not in the church, it's the ideology, right, the indifferentism, the modernism, the thing that Freemasonry promotes. You know, you have people in the church who aren't Freemasons, but they believe those same things, right? So right. it's not—it's not the group; um, it's the—it's the idea that's dangerous. But let me ask you about this because you brought up Black Americans um, statistically how they support a Proposition Eight. Um, so Black Americans tend to like the idea of family; they know what family is. Um, tend not to vote for the party who. Mm, who do would do more to support family, and and just if we believe statistics, um, Black Americans tend to um, have higher rate of single parent homes. Yeah. So how do you flush all that out? And what's some of the core issues? And what does Roof Institute do to focus on a family in in those communities? Yes, yes. Well, I'll I'll tell you something. I keep looking for opportunities to do something within those communities. But to, to answer your, to answer the sort of question in the abstract, you know, um, the intellect at the intellectual level, the, the programs that most specifically undermine the development of the family are the perverse welfare incentives that mm -hmm. were part of the great society programs that came along in the 1960s. Okay. okay. And those, those perverse welfare incentives that disincentivize um, uh, family formation and ma marriage and stable marriage and so on. The programs that um, that incentivize out of wedlock childbearing, that stuff, um, that affects everybody who's poor enough to qualify for those programs. So, right. um, and so therefore disproportionately it affected black Americans. But if you look at it today, <clears throat> what, you're, what you're really looking at is a class thing, much more than a race thing. So okay. if you look at people who are uh, high school educated only versus college educated only, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. much more significant than race, you know, yeah, um, yeah, in, yeah. In, in these type of patterns. So that's one aspect to it. Um, but the other aspect to it is, frankly, you know, just if you're going to talk about it as a political thing, the Republican Party 
is not really committed to a, a full-on pro-family, pro pro-life agenda. They're not. And if they were, you know, the, the social conservatives within the Republican Party are, you know, we're like the redheaded stepchildren, you know, um, mm -hmm. if I could use that. Is that is that racist to say? That? I don't know. Anyway, but anyway. Why, why would you didn't say redhead stepchildren with freckles? Now, the freckles, <laughs> that'd be going too far. But, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you get what I mean. Do the black, yeah. the black sheep, if I say the black sheep, is that See? Okay? There I'm you go. Oh man. oh, man. But you know what? I'm already on the hate list, David. So, yeah, right. You can't well, do worse. You know, well, I might as well go for it. Um, but, but, but seriously, the social, the, the social conservatives are, are, you know, are, are not significant in the, in the structure of the, of the Republican Party in the same way. Um, so the Republican Party is the only political home for a pro-life person. But you obviously can't right. be a Democrat. Father Altman is correct about that, you know, right, um, right. but that doesn't mean that the Republican Party is doing what it ought to be doing to promote family, to promote marriage and so on and so forth. And I could tell you as an economist, because right. I've talked to some of these people, that if they, they in their minds, the way they think, if we were to go undo these welfare incentives, it would cost us so much money. That would be a fiscal disaster. And I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, it'd be a fiscal disaster for 10 years. But then after that, you would have solved something, you know, you would, right now you have a, you have a problem that you refuse to face, you refuse to solve. And, right. you know, how, what are we waiting for? You know, kind of thing. How much, how much long, more longer would um, social conservatives um, have a home, at least a weekend home in a Republican party? It seems they, they've given up on marriage. They've, they're becoming very, um, uh, homosexual in, in a lot of yeah. ways. I mean, inviting that 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 constituency constituency in yes. oh, wide open door for them. How much longer? I mean, you keep letting these doors open, right? I mean, is are they going to give up on abortion? I mean, on life soon, defending life in a womb. I mean, how much longer do you think? we have a weekend home in the Republican party. You know, I don't know how to answer that, David. And, and, and so I, I don't want to, um, uh, I, I, politics is not my thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. I have no aptitude for it whatsoever. I have respect <laughs> for people who, who do that, but I don't know how to, I don't, I don't do that, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I don't, I'm not temperamentally suited to the kind of compromise and give and take that's part of politics. <laughs> I, I'm just not, I can't do that. So, so, I left a long time ago. I mean, I don't even have a weekend home there. You know, it's like you don't oh, have a weekend please. home. <laughs> you, you know, know Doctor Ruth not Doctor Ruth, not Doctor Jennifer. Doctor Jennifer doesn't have. She doesn't even have a um, uh, timeshare in the Republican Party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's right. But 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 the reason I'm hesitating, okay, is that the people who do have a vocation to politics, I don't want the, to discourage them from mm -hmm. doing whatever it is they need to do to try to work with the Republican party, you know, right. and to try to keep it from getting worse and so on and so forth. And the, the thing you pointed out about the, um, the embrace of the LGBT um, issues and, and yeah. constituency and all of that, uh, that's a, that's a very, uh, Constructive move um, for for a number of reasons, uh, which we which we don't have time to talk about. <laughs> but but um, but it, it's just it's a destructive move for a number of reasons. I see my role in the following way: um, okay. that if there's somebody out there saying what I'm saying and getting some traction for it, 
mm-hmm. makes it easier for somebody in political life to to have a stiffer spine about some of these things. Well, at least I'm not as crazy as she is. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm kidding. I'm I'm kidding, but but not kidding at the same time. I mean, I think our role at the Ruth Institute is to state the principled issues as clearly as we possibly can. Everything we do is in keeping with the teachings of the Catholic Church, but we yeah. try to express it in a way that is accessible to anybody who, you know, who who thinks about the evidence, you know, and who thinks about the the reasoning behind it, you know, that that the church has all along understood that the purpose of marriage one, well, there are multiple purposes of marriage, so I don't want to overstate it, right? But because the, right. there's a whole theological layer and so on. But at the on top of all of that is simply the fact that man, woman, marriage for life, one to a customer for life, which is Jesus's basic teaching to us in Matthew 19, this protects the interests of children better than any of the alternatives. And since everybody has to be a child at some point, it seems to me this is the most egalitarian thing that we could possibly do is to make sure every child has access to their parent, not just people who happen to be born to college educated parents, which is pretty much the world we're going towards now. You know, that the only people who really get to live with their parents for a whole lifetime are children of college educated, which means that the gap between the college educated and everybody else is getting wider and wider with every generation. Right. Right. So. And as we head out, I wanted to share, uh, I want to take everyone to your, to your website and just because um, I want everyone to go there to first uh, find out more about the summit. And there's a link on top to see that. But also to uh, find out how to contribute to uh, Roof Institute. And so can you walk us through? Okay. uh, You've got the... You've got the rotating carousel there uh, on the front on the front page there. So you, you're right there. If you stop on that, if you click on that fourth annual summit thing, uh, that will take you to the page that has all the information about the summit. And there it is. There's me at the podium, looking very friendly, very inviting. <laughs> you should really come, you know. And yeah. then there's all the detailed information about the about the the dinner and the summit. Um, on the right hand side there, you see those videos that are that are in the right column there. Those are mm-hmm. from past summits. So you can go and see what the awards dinner was like two years ago or what some interviews with some of the people who spoke there a year ago or, you know, that kind of thing. So you can get a feel uh, for, for for what the whole thing's like. That's what okay. that's what that's where you'll go from the home page. If you click on fourth annual summit. And there's, uh, some, and there's some strong topics here and some very strong presenters. This is, you know, that's a really good, a really good conference. I, 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 I'm, I'm really excited about it. And, you know, the way I look at it, folks, if, if nobody shows up except the people I've invited, it will be successful because they'll be talking to each other and we'll record this stuff and it will be there for <laughs> posterity. But you really want to be in that room with all these great people, you know? Yeah. I mean, we have, for, for instance, at, at the end of the day, we have uh, the other other people that we're honoring, um, in addition to Walter, Walter's going to be the keynote speaker at the mm-hmm. dinner, but we're also giving an award for the book of the year, the best book of the year we're giving to Katie Faust for her book called Them Before Us, which is her book about uh, the children um, having family breakdown and the impact of family breakdown on, on kids and that we should put them, the kids, before us, the adults. 
Um, and so we're going to be honoring her. Um, and we'll be honoring uh, with the Activist of the Year Award, a lady named Sharon Slater, who has spent years going to the United Nations um, fighting the comprehensive sex ed, uh, pro-pornography, pro-abortion, uh, uh, juggernaut at the, at, the, at the United Nations. And she has assembled an enormous amount of material for people to use in their own school boards, you know, so that you can go and lobby your own school board um, to, wow. to deal with some of this stuff. So she's, a, she's a stupendous person, you know. So the opportunity to meet all those people, you know, it's, 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 you, you can see them online, but, you know, you could, you could shake their hand, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, that's a different thing. Now, while we're here on your website, what's a place that people can go to, like, for resources? Um, oh, crime. Okay, so look, hold it right there. You see across the top there, there's something that says about. Move your little mouse over there. Okay, then see where it says resource centers? Mm -hmm. Okay, you go there, you click there, and we have multiple resource centers where we've gathered together information on a, on a particular topic. So there, oh, wow. we just had a motherhood resource center that we put out for Mother's Day. We have a yeah. Father's Day, uh, a fatherhood resource center that just came out for Father's Day. Um, yeah. We have one on transgenderism. And we have one, we actually have one, David, on propaganda. We have a whole resource center on propaganda uh, and manipulation, social manipulation. See that? Where wow. is that? Yeah. Um, and then on the knowledge base, you know, you can find the Dr. J show, which is my video podcast, yeah. our, whole you, our whole YouTube channel, uh, you know, just a, just a whole variety of, uh, of, of different things that you can, this is me yeah. on the Mike, Mike Huckabee show, me at the family research council. Those are yeah. not Catholic outfits, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> you know, sure. um, that's me at the world Congress of families or that's our rosary around the lake event that we have every year. Um, yeah. we have a rosary event we, that we sponsor in Lake Charles. Lake yeah, Charles your hair, your hair used to be, your hair used to be a little bit darker. Yes, this is my COVID hair. Okay, <laughs> for years and years I was dyeing my hair because I wanted the gray to go away, you know. And then COVID, you're not allowed to go to the beauty parlor. You can't get a color. You can't get a color sort of that yeah, heck with it, yeah. you know. <laughs> so this and is I mean, close, um, this is close I mean, to my natural color. This is the, this is the real thing. Okay, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love that. I love that color. Well, thank you. And I'm asking, where is this in California? You know, um, it's at Lake. Oh, you you it's, tell it's me. It's in Louisiana. That. It's in Louisiana, Lake Charles, Louisiana. Yeah. So it's actually closer to Houston than it is to New Orleans. When people think Louisiana, they think right away New Orleans. But mm -hmm. we're really we're, we're only 30 miles from the Texas border. We're, oh, okay. we're in southwest. Okay. We're in southwest, southwest. Um, okay. uh, Louisiana. So so if you live in Texas, you know, you should come on over, get in the car and come on over, you know, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Dr. Before, thanks for Coming on, talking Catholic. What, what are some of your your final thoughts as we we head out head out the door? Well, uh, I want the Catholic listeners to realize that the church has been right all along. You know, do not let people bully you and buffalo you and push you around about Catholic sexual teaching. Catholic sexual teaching is, in fact, intellectually coherent and humane much more so than any of the alternatives on offer. So do not be afraid to defend it. And if you don't know how to defend it, come see me and I'll tell you. <laughs> Dr. Jennifer Roback Morris of the Roof Institute. She's a president and founder here there. And she was on here um, talking Catholic, talking about all her work. And in particular, 
um, the conference that is or the summit that's being held there this mid July. Uh, make sure you go to Roof Institute. Is it Roof Institute? Dot org. Dot org. to find out more about that. And thanks again, Dr. Roof, for coming on to Talking Catholic. You're very welcome. And for all you guys um, who are listening in the audience, thank you for coming out again. And I will see you next Tuesday. God bless you. Blessings and shalom to you and to yours. Hi, everybody. Thank you for watching. Subscribe here to get the latest from the show. Also, be sure to check out the content you've missed. If you'd like to keep supporting my work, consider joining my team on Patreon, where you'll be gifted great perks like books, hoodies, and mugs. Thanks again.